All right, episode 140 for real this time. Sorry about my last uh, episode that I thought it was 140. Today is 140 with the wonderful Holly Perkins. I really enjoyed this um, interview because she had a lot of in-depth uh, explanations about you know training women and how they differ compared to men and if you've been listening to my show for a while I've always brought up the topic about training women you know how to get through them how to get them thinking a little bit differently when it comes to self-love self-image self-sabotage and trying to beat body image issues Holly just hammers at home so here we go hopefully you enjoy it this wonderful episode with Holly. Here it is. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Bokshevsky, and today we got Holly Perkins. Say hello. Oh. Hi. So I always oh, like I to break the ice with my audience and ask my guests, what do you got planned for the weekend? Oh, gosh. Well, that's a big <laughs> question. Okay, so... I am in a 10-month certificate program to get my master's degree in spiritual psychology. And so this weekend, I'm going to be in school the entire weekend, um, which is like one part fantastic and one part quite challenging, right? Because it's a very long weekend. Um, But yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing all weekend. What about you? Um, so this weekend, I actually have nothing planned, which is like unusual, and I'm really excited about it. But the only thing I have planned is I need to go find something to wear for a family wedding in Denver. And my wife has decided our theme is going to be floral, so she's already bought her floral floral dress. So I need to get some sort of floral thing for my outfit. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, you could do like a really cool tie or something like a, a handkerchief or something, something that yeah. would be like yeah. so cool. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to your certification that you're taking. What made you want to take that? So I have my degree is in exercise physiology and nutrition. And uh, I've been in the fitness industry now for 24, almost 25 years. And I've always come from the background of science, nutrition, biology, physiology, biomechanics, right? Kind of like palpable, measurable, documentable information. And so I really am a science nerd at heart and my whole life and my whole career really geeked out on the nuts and bolts and the science of human performance and health and fitness and muscular development, all of that. So I've gotten really far and and I'm certainly really passionate about that. And as you know, we're also in the business of helping people Mm -hmm. and In order to really truly help and serve people, I have to understand their psychology. And so I think I got to the point where I'm really good at what I do. I'm a great technician um, with helping my clients. And I know that ultimately we've got to get behind mindset and behavior and attitudes and values and psychology if we're really going to change people, especially those of you that are really having big challenges, you know, that really have some obstacles in life where you tend to sabotage your goals or where you tend to stop yourself short or where you know that you want to reach a certain goal, but why haven't you done it? Um, The truth is, 
it's not that hard to get in shape. It's not that hard to eat broccoli. The harder thing is why do humans do what they do? And so I was really motivated and inspired to get an advanced degree. And there is a um, program here in Los Angeles by the name of University of Santa Monica. It's world-renowned. It's a psychology program that specifically brings in a spiritual element instead of just pure basic psychology 101. It's psychology through the filter of why are we here and what's the bigger meaning in life? And so it taps into a bit of the esoteric and a bit of this kind of spiritual realm, which I find very comforting for people. And so I decided to just go and get a formal education and it's a two-year program. I'm in the, I'm in my first year right now. And so this weekend is kind of our, our long weekend where we're in the classroom and really learn. Um, and so, yeah, it just really was a way for me to just kind of continue learning and growing. And also, I, I, you know, I just really want to help people. And the more tools and skills I have, the better I'm able to, you know, to serve the world. No, that sounds amazing. Like, not a lot of people jump onto the spiritual train because only, I, I think there's almost like just a small amount of people that really believe in that stuff because a lot of people are so science based. So I'm yeah. actually kind of curious. I'm going to flip this into a question where, you know, if you you know finish this program and you start marketing that, you know, we're going to tackle things on by a spiritual way and you come across someone that's kind of like, you know, a skeptic. It's like, ah, that stuff doesn't work. What would you kind of try to say or convince them otherwise? Well, you know, that's great because technically, primarily and philosophically, I very much believe in the nuts and bolts of science. And so the foundation of my teaching and my coaching of my private clients always comes from science first and nuts and bolts, right? I can get really, really far with people just on the science bit. I tend to pull in the psychology and the spirituality when I have to, when someone's not responding to what they're supposed to be doing. So I don't always use it. And I don't, I don't lean on the spiritual part primarily. Primarily, I'm a technician. I am a, I'm a nutritionist. I'm an exercise physiologist first. And if we need to bring in some of the, as I call it, the woo-woo, the spiritual, especially when I'm working with women, I will bring that in because it really helps and it's really comforting. But, you know, I also have a lot of dudes that I work with that just don't really have a value for any of that spiritual stuff. And so there I, I, I tend not to, I tend not to lead with the spirituality. I look at this as a tool that I have in my belt that I can pull out when I need it but I don't lean on it primarily. I, you know, and I think you're kind of the same way in terms of really looking at the science of what we do, Mm -hmm. right? And looking at what some of the research is coming out and what the trends are and like really getting clear on sort of the nuts and bolts of health and fitness and nutrition and all of that. And that's primarily where I live, but I find that, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I wonder if in your experience, like working with women, I do find sometimes women need, kind of a more emotional approach sometimes, you know, and they need, they need that conversation a little bit more from the, the emotional spiritual part. And then that really kind of brings it all together. No, you're absolutely right. And like, I just look at it as like another tool, like you said, because 
not everyone is the same. Everyone's an individual. So, you know, you keep hammering out the science is not getting through to somebody. Now you have this like spiritual handbag that you can just grab from and here you go. Now I got through to you. So now you make that person successful. Exactly. Um, so before we get ahead of ourselves, we still got to introduce you. So can we do a quick <laughs> intro on your story of like who you are, what you do, and how did you get into the industry in the first place? Oh my gosh, where do we begin? So, um, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in small, rural, small town, rural Pennsylvania, where not a lot of people have grand aspects aspirations of doing big things. And I, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And my mom really pressured me to make a decision on this. So when it came time to go to college, I was like, I, I, I don't know. The only thing I really love is exercise. And, you know, this was back in the 90s when exercise wasn't a career. It wasn't really even a respectable business like it is today. But that was like the only thing that was interesting to me. And so thankfully, I got accepted into the Pennsylvania State University, their exercise physiology program. At the time, we were number three in the world in terms of sports science, exercise physiology, kinesiology, biomechanics, nutrition, and that whole thing. So somehow, honestly and truly, by the grace of a higher spirit floating out there in the universe, I got into Penn State. And I just fell in love with the curriculum. It just felt like home. I am possessed and obsessed with all things health, fitness, and nutrition, and I always have been. Um, and so I got my degree in exercise physiology and nutrition with a minor in business, and I got to learn from some of the great, great authors in our in our industry. And it just my career took off from there. You know, really like. It legitimately for me was that storyline of following your bliss every single day for most of my life. I kind of just followed my bliss and um, doors opened and opportunities came around over the years. So when I graduated college, I went to New York City and I got to work for the very famous La Palestra Center for Preventative Medicine studying under Pat Menachia in New York City. And I trained people like Howard Stern, Liam Neeson, Natasha Richardson, Julia Roberts, um, Courtney Love, um, I mean, just the the people, I mean, I, I could go, the list goes on and on and on and on for the people that I trained in New York. And that just really honed my skills as a trainer. So for 17 years, I was a one-on-one -on -one personal trainer um, and have worked with, you know, every, uh, nearly every A-list celebrity out there and professional athletes. And as the years continued, I really wanted to expand just expand, you know, my experiences and the way that I serve the world. And I got the opportunity to write a book. So I wrote the book, Lift to Get Lean, which was in partnership with the editors of Women's Health Magazine. Um, and I had a few years where I got to work uh, producing and creating exercise DVDs. And the years have just kind of grown and expanded. And so now here in the past couple of years, I've taken all of my experience and I have really um, kind of just chunked down my conversation to specifically hone in on women and supporting women in strength training from the perspective of using strength training to really create a better life, not just to get 
ripped, not just to get into your skinny jeans, not just to get lean, but really using strength training as an art and as a tool to create a better life. Um, because when women feel physically strong, that really does translate into their outward day-to-day life. And so a big part of my conversation these days is really about helping people feel strong and feel good, right? Through the practice of strength training and taking a good look at nutrition. I think nutrition is just so much about how we feel and our, um, even our brain biochemistry and gut biome. Nutrition is just so important. And so these days, um, I'm still in the gym training some VIP clients. Um, my in the gym one-on-one hours are quite limited each month. And then the other half of my life is I do virtual online coaching. I work one-on-one with people around the world. Um, um, and I do a lot of online virtual coaching so that I'm able to just serve more people. Oh, man, that is quite the story. You got a lot going on. Um, it's a lot. Yeah. So I kind of want to, like, unravel this whole thing. And I'm kind of curious, like, when you were going through all of this, like, what was kind of the typical day looking like for you? Like, what time did you wake up? What would your daily tasks be? Because a lot of times when I listen to podcasts, episodes with, like, coaches I look up to, you know, they tell you all this great information, but you, they never tell you like the hustle and the grind behind everything they've done. So I'm kind of curious what a typical day looks like for you now. Wow. You know, the typical day has definitely evolved over the years. Yeah. And I can say I'm naturally a hustler, right? So someone might look at my life and call it a grind, because I work my butt off and I've over the years I've worked a lot and I put in the hours and I definitely work my ass off for sure. Um, what the day looks like really has changed exactly like beat to beat and moment by moment, right? But the same is at least for the past, 20 of the past 25 years I've been in this business, the past 20 years, you know, my days were up at 4.30, 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m., okay? And I'm kind of up and at them, you know, right away. So these days, the past few, well, just kind of these days, my days are changing because I just adopted a new puppy. And so now my mornings are a little bit different. I'm up at six, and but now we're out on a walk. Whereas in the past, I would be up at six o'clock and on email at 6.05 with a cup of green tea. Um, but usually in the morning, there's a few hours of virtual behind the computer work. Uh, and then usually at some point in the morning, I go in for my own workout. That is something that I'm really committed to and I really love. And I find that when I get my workout in in the morning, the rest of my day is better. And so I really do try to start my workout um, during the day. Um, If I have the time and the space, nothing makes me happier than to be in the gym for two hours. I'm the person that can go in and literally work for two hours in the gym and it makes me thrive and it makes me really, really healthy. I think that's just like how my body is built. I'm kind of like a slow burn type person. I'm not an intensity person, but I can go and do a lot of labor and a lot of volume over two hours. And it's just like, I am at my best when I get that. And then, um, inevitably I will have anywhere from one to two clients per day in the gym. And that's about my max. And then the other hours of the day are really spent on doing things like, I've got a couple of online virtual coaching programs that I am 
coaching people and answering questions and creating new videos and new content and really just teaching and coaching and mentoring all day long in all of its forms is what I'm doing pretty much all day long. And so, you know, every day is a little bit different. I think, I think the through line is I'm up early and I work late. And within that in there, I'm always definitely trying to mix in I have to build in, you know, what we call self-care practices. So things like a meditation is always in my day or potentially journaling or writing or mindset work um, or mantra work. Like I definitely have to build in time each day where I'm filling my vessel. And some days that's just listening to Tony Robbins on YouTube or listening to podcasts that inspire me. So there is that every day where it's like, I've got to be in a place where I'm getting inspiration and I'm, I'm filling the vessel. Otherwise I burn out real quickly. Um, but within that it's, you know, it's a long day. And I think some people would call it a hustle and some people would call it a grind, but I think you could, I think you can relate when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like a grind. You know, you work hard and you put the hours in, but you can't imagine it any other way. It doesn't ever feel like work for me. No, I'm glad you brought all this up because I was going to kind of swing to the next question about burnout and how to prevent it. Because I, I have a handful of business owners or even managers where, you know, they can get caught up working 16, 18 hour days and then the gym kind of takes the back burner. So I'm kind of curious, like when you're coaching your online clients or even in the past with your in-person clients, like how did you kind of convey the message of like, you need to make fitness and health a priority or the burnout's going to be a lot worse with your busy day? You know, it's sort of like the analogy when you're flying, um, they teach us first to put the oxygen mask on ourselves so that we can help whoever else is around us, right? It's like save yourself first. And I think when it comes to how we prioritize our day and our life, I am constantly an advocate for people to carve out that time in the day for their workouts, for their fitness, for their nutrition. Because if you are dry, if you are beat up, you're not going to be able to do your job well. You're not going to show up as a good colleague or business owner or friend or wife or mother or brother or sister or husband or business owner. We really do have to be at our best. And we all know, I don't think anyone is going to argue with anyone over the topic that the path to optimal health, fitness, wellness, and mindset is physical activity and eating well. It's just not possible to live your best life without being active. It's just not possible. The human body really is designed to run, jump, move, and play. And so there really is a powerful argument for everyone. You gotta fit your fitness into some degree or another. And the more you do that, the better you're going to be at your life. So when I'm coaching high-level business executives or entrepreneurs or business owners or people who have really demanding lives, I always say you got to make the time to fit it in because we all have the same 24 hours in the day and busy people are making it happen. You know, there's like a really crazy statistics 
statistic among Fortune 500 CEOs. It's like a really high percentage of them are seriously committed to their workouts. They're getting up at 3.30 in the morning to make sure their workouts are in. And so we know that really high-level entrepreneurs and business executives, that's an ethos of theirs. That is something that they make happen during their day. Same with professional athletes. So what I say is, if that's what they're doing, if the successful are doing it that way, and we can employ those same tactics, we are going to get some of those same benefits. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it's like, that's what I tell my clients that are running their businesses. Like you look at the uh, the owner of uh, Amazon, like Jeff Bezos, like recently he got really jacked and big. And, you know, I started reading articles about him and yeah, same thing in the gym every single day, no matter what, it's a non-negotiable. And look at this empire that he created. Right. It's amazing. But um, the next thing I wanted to get into is, you know, training women, because I find this really interesting because like, you know, I've said this on my show a bunch of times that 90% of all my clients are females. And now like people kind of see me as this like male trainer that understands training women. And Uh I've been like tagged on Facebook a bunch of times where other male coaches are like, hey, so how do I bring this up with a female client without being too creepy or like pushing boundaries? And it kind of just like, it's almost kind of like stupid to me. I'm like, how can you not communicate properly with women as a coach? So I'm kind of curious on your take, like what's the difference between training women and training men? Oh gosh, this is (laughs) such a good question. And this is like, this has to be one of my absolute favorite questions and one that I get all the time. I absolutely love it because being a woman and being in the fitness industry for now 25 years, the one thing I know is that women are radically different than men when it comes to their health and fitness endeavors, both in terms of how they are as clients, but also how they are as humans, right? So men and women, we have the same muscle structure. We have, we both have blood, right? Our physiology in some ways is similar. We operate in some ways that are similar, but like the similarities end there. How a woman's body responds to nutrition is actually radically different than a man's. And the same goes for workouts. How a woman's body responds on a biological level to workouts is radically different than a man's. And on a mental, emotional, and spiritual level, we are very, very different. And so that is one of the reasons why after 25 years of being in the business, my business is now really focused on women because I find them so much more challenging to train, both behaviorally, but also on a biological level because our bodies are radically different from woman to woman because of the hormonal implications. Um, and, uh, just on a physiological level, how women respond to strength training and nutrition is so different as compared to men and from woman to woman to woman. And so I love a challenge and I just really love working with women for that reason. But, you know, I'm, I am an advocate for fitness professionals male and female, to really come to understand that, you know, as a trainer or as a coach, your approaches to helping a man achieve his goals have to be so very different than when you're coaching a woman to reach her goals. And I think 
you know, it really just, there's, I kind of separate it in these two, let's call them pillars for women. One is the biological differences, how a woman responds to workouts differently as compared to men, how a woman responds to, let's say, high intensity training versus high volume training as compared to a man. A man. So just on the biological level, I look at all of those considerations, right? But then the other side of it is psychologically and behaviorally, how do women respond to this endeavor of going after their goals? And how is that different than how a man would go after it, right? And so I tend to really kind of break it down in when I'm working with a new client, if it's a woman, I first assess, okay, what are we working with here on a biological level? You know, what kind of body does she have? What kind of metabolism? How does she respond to carbohydrates? And I look on the biological level and then I take an assessment of behaviorally, psychologically, what is she like? right? And that is really where I get my cues for how I coach women as as compared to how I coach men. Um, and the majority of my clients these days are women. Even though I do still have some men, um, majority are women. No, that's awesome. And I'm kind of curious, like when you said about the, like, the psychological and like behavior stuff, like what, what are those things? Like, what do you look out for to kind of say like, oh, she does this thing, X means Y, like what, what, how's your whole process on that? Um, you know, I think one of the things that I see a lot with women is that there's two things. They approach achievement differently than men do. They also approach sabotage very differently than men. And those are the two biggest things, right? So the first is, as a woman is endeavoring to reach a goal, if she doesn't achieve that goal in the timeline that she wanted, there's such a tendency for her to turn that back on herself as a failure or as a reflection of her ability or as as some mysterious um, some mysterious message that she's broken and she's not going to be able to achieve that thing. I don't find men do that. Men tend to say, I'm going after this and I'm going to make it happen. And if they can't, they go after it differently because they believe they can make it happen, right? There's more of a resiliency and more of a, um, I'm just going to make this happen that, that women often struggle with, right? And the other side of the coin with women is this concept of sabotage. And I find it pervasive with women and so not with men. It's rare that I come across a guy who self-sabotages. I mean, I don't even know if I've ever worked with a man that has a tendency toward self-sabotage like women do. And it's a really complicated conversation when you're doing it with when you're working through it with women. Because it's this funny balance of what if I don't succeed, right? So therefore it's fear of failure. But then the other side of it is what if I do succeed? So therefore it's a fear of success. Right? And so it's sort of like Nonetheless, 
both are self-sabotage. And what is ultimately the way of undoing that? In my experience and in my opinion, a lot of it comes back to um, self-worth, but also this sense of I can figure it out and I'm going to figure it out, right? Sort of like picking yourself back up off the ground when you quote unquote have failed. I mean, I don't really believe in failures, but I think we all stumble. We all have hard times. We all endeavor to do something and maybe we miss our mark. Some people might call that failing. I kind of look at it, well, you're just learning, you know, you're just kind of going through the road bumps that are part of the process. But everybody Everybody navigates those differently. And I find that women have a tendency to, if they don't succeed at first, it's a reflection of their ability and or it's a reflection of, oh, it's not meant to be for me and I can't have that, right? As if there's this all-knowing energy, um, you know, on um, um, like ruler out there that's determining whether she's going to succeed or not and that it's out of her ability or out of her power where men just kind of take to owning that power and they just believe they're powerful. And so they tend to go after stuff and therefore not, not, not have to battle the self-sabotage to the degree that women do. No, I'm happy you brought all of that up because like the thing I've noticed a lot with women, like no matter how fit they get, they'll always have some sort of like self and negative talk about themselves and their bodies. And I've had so many occasions where, you know, one of my clients will be training with me and they'll make a comment about how this part of their body is not flat enough or toned enough or this, this and that. And I'm just standing there. I'm like, you are freaking strong and fit. Like, how do you still see yourself like that? So I'm kind of curious, what kind of advice do you give women on, you know, negative self-talk or like just tearing themselves down constantly? Oh, gosh, that's <laughs> such a great, great question and such a complicated one. Yeah. Oh, and I'm really, really passionate about this nugget and getting behind it and figuring it out. So I have a client right now in the gym who is hands down one of the most physically gifted women I have ever worked with in my entire life. If she walked in the gym, every single woman in the gym would say they want her body. I mean, she is a phenomenal physical specimen and a lot of it's natural. Um, I can literally just blow on her and she adds muscle. I can blow on her and she gets vascular. I can blow on her and she gets leaner. I mean, she just like is so unbelievably beautiful and gifted and just like perfection in every way. And yet she looks in the mirror and she doesn't feel her tummy is flat enough. And it's really interesting because it's the first time ever for me where, and, 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 and I can say this cause I highly doubt, let's see, I can say this in confidence, right? I think it's okay to say it, but when I looked at her recently and she made that comment and, and I've shared the same conversation with her. So I'm not saying anything here that I wouldn't say to her and that I didn't say to her, but literally I said, if you could see yourself the way I'm seeing you, you would see how erroneous that thinking is because here is a woman who is 
perfection. So therefore, we know that this is a joggle of her brain. This is like a blip of the brain. There's something else going on where she's just not seeing herself as good enough, you know? And so for me, the practice for all women in that and what you described is really working on a daily practice of owning how we are good enough and getting rid of the conversation of the ways that we're not good enough. Because here's the thing, if you can start to focus on all the ways that you're good enough and all the things that you're doing well and all the things and all the ways that you rock, if you can focus on that, you can achieve a whole lot more than if you're focusing on all the negative stuff, right? And so the practice for me with my clients is let's focus on all the stuff that you're doing well. What do you want to celebrate today? What do you love about yourself or your body, right? Or what did you do well? What are the ways that you rock? Because the more you can practice that every single day and you can celebrate all the good and all the ways that you're awesome and stop looking at, let's call it the areas of opportunities, Okay, or the flaws, right? Rather than, oh, I wish my butt was bigger or, oh, I wish my tummy was flatter. Rather than focusing on that, the negatives, let's focus on the positives because if you do that, that literally joggles your brain into a place of achievement and you're going to achieve so much more when you're focusing on the positives. But if you're focusing on the negatives, it's just a path to nowhere. It's this vicious cycle and it literally just drags you down and it is not the practice that is going to get you to succeed. No one who has ever succeeded got there by focusing on the negatives. Or, you know, we, we have to keep an we have to keep an eye on the challenges, of course, because you've got to get over your challenges. But if you're constantly living a life in the negative self-talk, right? That's just not the stuff that success or happiness is made from in any way, shape, or form. How, how much do you think the environment around uh, women on a daily basis has influence on all of this? You know, that's another really great question. And I think I think what a lot of people would say is our culture and our our media and the world around us to some degree does or has programmed women. And I think I would be silly to say that's not true, right? Like, you know, when I was young, so I am the youngest of three girls, okay? So I was raised with two older sisters who wore makeup and had fashion magazines and were into the Go-Go's. And so it's like I was raised under this this notion of beauty products and makeup and hair and fingernails and looking pretty and looking feminine. And it really is all around us. We do get these messages that that is what woman is supposed to be. Right. Um, and I do think that in, in our culture up until the past couple of years, we celebrate skinny or we have in the past celebrated certain kind of visual 
forms in, in, in women, right? I mean, the past couple of years, I do think we're coming around to really celebrating women of all sizes and just celebrating women, period, regardless of appearance, right? We're finally getting there. Um, I think we have a long way to go, but, you know, without a doubt, I think that our environment has shaped it. And I also think that there really is just this innate spiritual human journey and struggle. You know, the human struggle is this conversation around our own self-worth and our own self-esteem. And I think that is common among men and women. It just plays out differently, right? So I think men, I think all humans have this, like the meaning of life and the struggles of life, right? The human condition. I think we all struggle with that. And at the core of it, a lot of it is, why am I here? And what is my worth? And am I really worthy? And what am I worthy of? And how do I get my worthiness in the world? But the way men get it is different than the way women get it. And I think whether it's innate to our femininity to do it through beauty or um, skinniness, right? I don't know. Or mothering or if that's been put on us by society, I don't know. But I do feel that it's, it's very real. I mean... I have chosen in life not to go the path of having children, and I have not chosen the traditional life of getting married and having children. And when I was in my 30s, that was something that was really reflected to me in culture. Like, oh, you don't have any children? Or, you know, at times, you're not married? As if there was something wrong with me. And I really battled in my 30s with the struggle of, like, what's wrong with me as a woman because I don't have children? As though to be a woman, it means you have to have children. And that's a very real expectation of me and of of women these days, right? As though there's something wrong with us, which, you know, I'm finally to the point where I don't believe that anymore. And, um, you know, but I do think that that is a very specific cultural structure that's in place, right? Along with this whole beauty myth and this whole beauty notion that like the other thing that we're supposed to be is attractive or sexy or lip glossed, you know? So, I mean, that's a long winded answer to that, but I think, you know, that's like opening a whole can of worms for us here on the, you know, philosophical level, right? No, but it all makes sense. And like the fact that you brought up the cultural thing, it's so true because my wife is Filipino and in their culture, it is so normal to go to a family gathering, and if you haven't seen an aunt or uncle or someone in a long time, the first thing that you say to them is like, oh, you gained a lot of weight. And like, right. <laughs> you're like, okay, thanks. Right. And like, I grew up with a lot of Filipinos, and just talking to the girls, like, it, it was just so common across the board to a point where all of them always felt like they had something wrong with them, even though they were, like, stunning and gorgeous and they looked great. But, you know, the whole, like, family is always kind of like that. And I'm like, no wonder these women grow up and they still think they're either overweight or something's wrong with them. And I'm like, how do you break that, like you know, thought process, because that's a lot of years built up. And yeah. like, even till this day with my wife, like, 
I tell her that she's beautiful, and she's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, are you serious? She's like, you just, uh, ha- you just have to say that because you're my husband. I'm like, no, because you're damn hot. Like, come on. But right. um, it, it's interesting how the culture can affect that so much, and it's just ingrained that in your head that there's something wrong with me. I know. And what's underneath that, you know, if I can kind of offer, because I used to be that wife. I was married in my 30s into my early 40s, and I was that wife where my husband just thought I was like the most amazing thing ever. And I was like, no, I'm not, right? So I thankfully got on a journey and corrected that. And I now know what's underneath that. It isn't even about beauty, really. It's just about, you know, I think a lot of women and and a lot of men too, but a lot of women, it's like, we just don't feel good enough for whatever reason, whether you call that beauty or sexiness or hotness or fitness or leanness or whatever, or smartness, right? It's sort of like, there is just this, I don't believe I'm beautiful in all the various definitions of that word beautiful, right? And it really takes a woman's decision to cultivate that because it it rarely is a natural thing for us. Unless you really had awesome parents who helped you to cultivate that, most women, most of us humans don't have a really strong sense of I'm awesome without it being egotistical, right? Like there's a certain kind of like, I'm good and I'm worthy and I'm awesome. That is just an authentic love of self. And that's rare in women these days. I mean, it's so rare. Most of us have this little seed in the back of our head. That's like, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not smart enough. And the real undoing of that is a process and a journey of uncovering like why you are worthy enough and why you are beautiful and why you are good and all of those things. Um, but you know, I hear that, I hear that all the time, both from my female clients, but also from men that I know and male clients like you who say that about their wives, you know, it's just like, no, you know, you are beautiful, but here's the deal. She's got to believe it. You telling her, unfortunately, isn't going to convince her. No, that was really good advice. And I'm kind of happy that you were talking about reflection in your 30s and your younger years. Because my next question I wanted to bring up is what kind of advice would you give yourself in your early 20s? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, 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 straight to my heart. Yeah. I wish I would have just... Um, appropriately cut the shit. Okay. For real. I wish I would have just cut the shit and like believed in myself more. I really do. I I didn't come to believing in myself until my early forties and I still struggle with it every day. I think we all do, but like, I just, I, I, gosh, the things that we could do, The things that we could do if we just believed in ourselves every minute of every day, can you imagine what this world would be like for all of us? Like it breaks my heart, but you know, I definitely did not think highly enough of myself in my twenties and my thirties. And I wish, I just wish that I had, um, believed in myself even more than I did, um, because obviously I'm not like a completely broken, you know, miserable failure in life, but I wish that I wish that I would have believed in myself more. And I wish that I, I wish that I had self-generated 
more praise and confidence. Um, in my life, I sought ego and praise through my career accomplishments. And therefore, I'm very credentialed. Um, you know, I'm an author. I've been on television shows. I write for magazines. I'm a CSCS. I'm soon to be a certified nutritionist. I've trained many celebrities. I mean, my credentials are really impressive. And that's because I went after them because I didn't feel like I was good enough. And while that's all great and I'm proud of those things and I, I'm so proud of myself for doing those things, I wish that I could have just felt that I was good enough without having to have the credentials, you know, without having to have the CSCS to feel that I was worthy to write for Women's Health Magazine when I was worthy to write for Women's Health Magazine before the CSCS, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's what I would, that's what I would tell my younger self. And that's what I wish for all of my clients who are in their twenties and thirties. Oh, that's really good advice. And, uh, maybe like the, one of the last questions, cause we're coming up to an hour, um, and I think you would answer this pretty well, is what is your spirit animal and why? <laughs> <laughs> My spirit animal is Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. For sure. Um, yes, and I know that's not like, a, you know, the appropriate <laughs> answer to that, but I just think it's hilarious. Um, definitely my spirit animal is Beyonce because, you know, her whole concept of Sasha Fierce, if you know that, it's like, you know, she created this alter ego known as Sasha Fierce. And so when she would step on stage or when she would, you know, shoot for a music video, she turned on this alter ego that is this like fierce badass. And, and yet there's the other side of her that is not Sasha Fierce is what she's really revealing when she said that she needed to create this alter ego. Right. So it's like, I just love that story because it's like, in some days I feel like, I'm Holly and I'm me. And then there's some days that I want to be able to turn on my Sasha Fierce and really be a badass. And so um, Beyonce is my spirit animal and I'm sticking with it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so very last question. Where can people find you online? What projects do you have coming out? And anything else you want to plug away, you can. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so. I have a really cool, I've got two really awesome, completely free um, resources that people are loving these days. I have been getting emails and testimonials from people on a daily basis about these two free resources that I share with the world. One of them is a workout program, and one of them is a 14-page guidebook on how I teach the concept of macros for nutrition and eating. And those two free resources combined are helping people like I cannot believe. I had a woman reach out to me recently. She said, without even trying and just using my Macros 101 guidebook, she lost seven pounds kind of effortlessly eating the foods that she loves. So I've got these two res free resources that, you know, if anybody would like to take advantage of, they're fantastic. And you can get those from my website, which is hollyperkins.com. You can just Google hollyperkins.com. We can put it in the show notes, but it's hollyperkins.com forward slash offer or hollyperkins.com forward slash macros. 
And those are the, all you got to do is punch in your email address and then you're going to get an email from me giving you direct access to these free documents that you can download. They're yours to keep, no strings attached, and they're really high quality, incredible programs. The other is a six week interim workout program that is designed to, I call it an interim workout program because it's really the perfect strength training and cardio plan to get you going. You know, when you feel like you're a bit off track or you need a reboot or you had too many days off from the gym and you're not how to get able to get back into it or if you're coming back from an injury, it's a really great program to get your feet under you again before you then endeavor to do something bigger and better. And so that's the hollyperkins.com forward slash offer offer is the six-week interim workout program. Um, so those are two things that I love to share with people. And um, upcoming projects, I'm working on my next book, which is going to be a nutrition-focused book that won't come out until probably late of next year or potentially the following year because we're still working on it. Um, so it would be late, late 2019, most likely. Um, and then I have an online virtual group coaching program called the comeback that people are just loving. And that's one of the ways that I show up and I coach a lot of the women in my community. And that's another project I'm really excited about. That's growing and getting bigger and getting more robust. And it's just a really, really incredible comprehensive program. Awesome. That sounds amazing. And I just want to thank you so much for your time. You were just freaking unbelievable. Oh, this was so good. I mean, I'm just so excited to be here and thank you for this. And I love the show. And, you know, like I said, you and I are just very simpatico and on the same page. So it's so good to meet you and know you. Okay, so that's going to wrap up episode 140 with Holly Perkins. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. She was just wonderful, had a lot of energy, and it was a lot of fun to talk to. And again, I am going to tell you over and over again, share this podcast with your friends and family and everyone on your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, or whatever social media platform you're on. Share this podcast so we can continue to grow this thing and reach as many people as possible to give them the best information about nutrition, fitness, health, mindset, everything and I will be truly in debt and will always appreciate your support and thank you for all the new listeners listening and thank you for all the OGs that have been listening to my show since day one. Until next time you guys, that's it for me.